My name is Tina, and I'm the creator of the podcast and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, and all things life with you. This podcast show is a space where we get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. It's a behind the scenes look into our homestead life and my deepest thoughts and convictions as I navigate being a mom and a wife alongside you. I'm so glad you're here and my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast show. It is currently morning here where I'm recording this show today. It's raining and it's gloomy and I've got a delicious cup of coffee and I thought this would be a great day to sit down and chat with you guys about something that has just been on my heart. You guys know uh, my podcast is really just something that um, I feel sometimes the Lord puts things on my heart that I want to share with you and sometimes I just get the itch to sit down and chat and this is one of those times so as you can tell from the title of this show today we're going to talk about honesty truth and how truth can set you free so as you guys are aware most of you i've been so transparent with mine and joe's journey uh, with our marriage and our life raising our children and i feel very strongly that that is very important because a lot of people tend to keep things a secret that they go through because there's shame behind that, right? But the problem with that is when you don't have community and you're not reaching out to others and you're not sharing those experiences, you just kind of sit and continue to wallow in that shame and in that pain that you're feeling or that you're going through. And the other side of that is there may be somebody out there just like you, somebody that's going through the exact same thing and they feel like they're all alone. And if you would just open up, it may help them in such a way that you couldn't even imagine. Sometimes just knowing that we're not the only one going through something is very helpful. And then if we find someone that we can cling on to, that we can relate to, my goodness, that's helpful, right? So I think I shared with you guys in the last podcast that Joe and I, um, we kind of hit a rough spot in our marriage. And for any of you that have been married for any length of time, you know what that is, right? We kind of have these ebbs and flow of our marriage. Like sometimes it's really great, sometimes it's meh, sometimes it's fantastic, sometimes it's not so good. And it's almost like a, a constant roller coaster ride of highs and lows. And it's just getting through that um, ride and all the highs and lows that can be difficult sometimes. So we hit a rough patch back in November or December 2021. I shared that with you guys. Uh, Without going into too much detail, it was just finally some things from our past in the very beginning stages of our marriage surfaced. Things that we kind of already knew that were there, um, but not to the level that they were actually there, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, I've shared with you guys that Joe and I, we got married young, we joined the military right out of high school, started having babies, and we made mistakes. We definitely made mistakes. And I am not innocent to this. Joe and I both have made mistakes. So um, I definitely don't want to put 
all of the blame on Joe when I took part in, in sinful behavior and mistakes of my own. Now, granted, most of these things that I'm talking about and referring to were just so early on in our marriage. We were young. We weren't the Christians that we are today. We were hanging out with the wrong crowd, drinking, partying, doing things that we just shouldn't have been doing, right? Those are not good environments to be in. And it's like a breeding ground for Satan and his little minions to be like, ha, 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 what can I do here, right? So that's kind of what we found ourselves in, um, at least for me anyway. And I know for Joe, that environment for him actually was more of when he was alone. When he was alone in a space by himself, Satan would creep in and tempt him. So I have discussed with you guys um, in, in length, quite lengthy, um, about the porn problem, the porn addiction that we've had that has plagued our marriage since day one. Um, and that's been tough. That's been a constant battle. Uh, so anyway, we decided to sign up with our counselor that we've been with now for almost seven months and working with him bi-weekly kind of led into this, uh, three-day intensive session that he told us about that he does. Now I had seen a sex addiction counselor in Colorado online that did something similar to this that assisted with um, sexual addiction, whatever form that may be, whether it's porn, prostitution, acting out, I mean, all the things, right? But it doesn't just work with the addict. It also works with the partner of the addict because there's a lot of trauma there, right? Codependency, trauma, brokenness. And so both partners need help through that situation. But when I found this guy in Colorado, I thought there's no way we're ever going to be able to go to that. My heart wanted that. I knew our marriage needed that. But one, it was in Colorado. We're in Virginia. So logistically with work and the kids and the homestead and everything, it was like, gosh, the what we would have to do to make a trip like that happen right now. And then also the cost, right? You guys know um, counseling in of itself is not cheap. Uh, it's, it's expensive, especially, you know, we can get some assistance through the military, but I have zero interest in working with a worldly counselor. Um, I specifically only want to work with someone that is a Christian counselor that believes the same things that we believe when it comes to the the word of God, because our marriage was defined by God, right? Sex was defined by God. And unfortunately, the world today um, has taken that out of that parameter and does not see sex and marriage in the light that God intended it to be. So I need a counselor to come in that says, yeah, um, being addicted to porn is not healthy for your marriage. Lusting after other women, whether it's physically happening or mentally in your mind, is not what God intended for your relationship. Infidelity, stepping outside of the marriage, um, is an absolute no-no. That is not the design of marriage that God intended. So it was important for me to have a counselor that really was on the same level we were as far as like the foundation of our beliefs. So I just thought it was a long shot, right? So I did not pursue that 
Um, I did watch some YouTube videos from this guy in Colorado and just kind of started learning some things about partner trauma and things like that. But I just didn't dive off the deep end and go, okay, we need to sign up for this intensive session, this workshop to really dive in and, and get to the root of the issues and then the recovery of that and the steps and the skills that we're going to need to take to recover from the things that we've gone through in our marriage and the things we've done to each other. So like fast forward maybe a year, year and a half, put us into last fall. And the counselor that we're working with now is local here in Virginia. And he also does these three-day intensive sessions. So it's interesting because we had been seeing him for about six months. And you guys, I I am all about uh, sitting back from a situation after it's happened and kind of looking at it from the 30,000 foot view and going, oh, wow, I can see now how God was working and how God orchestrated that. So we had been seeing this counselor for six months and I was just about to tell Joe, um, you know, let's just stop the sessions. And I think I might've mentioned this to you guys on the last podcast. Um, I wasn't really feeling like we were getting anything out of it. And the reason that we weren't getting anything out of it is that there was a cement barrier that had not been broken through. So you guys know all about like half truths, right? When we're raising our children, when they do something wrong, how many times do they come to us and they tell us half truths, right? They feel better because they got some of it out, but they didn't get all of it out. So the secret's still there. The shame is still there. Um, That's kind of what I felt was going on with Joe and I working through our sessions with our counselor was I there was a lot more there that was not uncovered and I felt like in that secrecy Satan was holding us down and prohibiting us from truly being free from truly experiencing truth and honesty and integrity and looking at the shame of the mistakes we made, identifying the mistakes we made and identifying our ownership in that and identifying the feelings that come from that. Um, we were never able to get to that point because we were still keeping secrets. And as long as there was secrets, Satan had his thumb on us and he knew that, right? And he does that to so many people. Um, so, It's interesting because the counselor told us in our last session before all of this kind of went down last fall, he asked me a simple question. He said, Tina, how do you think things are going? Um, In reference to Joe's habit of pornography and things that we'd gone through, the distance, the disconnect in our relationship from that, he asked me, how do you think it's going with Joe? And I don't know why, but in that moment it hit me and I said, I don't know. I never really know uh, until I find something again or I walk in on something or, um, you know, I just never really know. I know what he tells me, um, but I also know what I feel. So I never really know. And that has been the basis of our marriage for 22 years. The constant doubt, the constant wondering, the constant fear the lack of stability of knowing what's gonna happen tomorrow, that has been a constant for us. Um, And so the counselor said, well, you know, there's a way for you to know for sure. 
And he mentioned to us that he does these three-day intensive sessions where we essentially have him all to ourselves for a full three days from like eight o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. And there are multiple parts of this three-day session where he works with Joe individually, works with me individually, works with us together as a couple, but he also provides a polygraph test. He actually has a certified polygraph examiner that comes to his office that will perform a polygraph. So in that moment, when he mentioned that to Joe and I, I could instantly feel tension from Joe. I, you guys, when you've been married to someone for so long, like you become a part of them, right? Like I could feel the tension and the fear coming from Joe. That was the end of that session. And um, we got off that session because we're doing Zoom sessions with our counselor. We're not in person. Uh, and I knew that there was something else there. <laughs> like, I already knew about the porn stuff. I already knew about that, everything that comes along with that. But something in my heart told me by Joe's reaction to a polygraph that there was more, right? So here's the thing, you guys. My heart was broken in half within an instant of just feeling and seeing his reaction to the fact that, oh, maybe I do want him to have a polygraph, right? For my own well-being, my own sanity to get to the bottom of things and finally feel like I have the truth. Because the reality is, you guys, if there is no truth, there is no foundation. If your relationship is built on lies and secrets and shame and betrayal, there is no foundation. That foundation is cracked. It's crumbling. It's falling apart. And your house is at risk of being knocked over by the next storm. That's the reality. So I knew that there was more. I didn't know exactly what that meant. But here's the kicker. I also knew that there were still secrets that I was keeping. So like I said, I'm not innocent in this. And um, so I immediately was at the point in my life and in our marriage that the three-day intensive was going to happen. That was a, a boundary, I guess you could call it for me. And I told myself and I prayed about it and I said, this is one of those moments where if Joe's not willing to do this with me, we are done. I am ready to walk away from this marriage because the brokenness was just so significant, you guys. And I didn't see how that could possibly be repaired without addressing the secrets. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm a realtor, right? I sit at home inspections and appraisal inspections for these homes that I sell all the time. And I see issues in the crawl space from these inspections. And it's like some of these things, you can't just put a Band-Aid on it. You can't just put a Band-Aid on a completely rotted out, broken support beam under the house. You've got to rip it out and you've got to replace it. And only then is the problem going to be fixed. And I was at a point where if Joe wasn't going to be on board with this uh, 3D intensive with our counselor, uh, time-wise, right, it would require him to take leave from work um, and money-wise, then I was done. Because to me, I'm willing to spend all the money we have in our savings account to save my marriage. I would do anything to save my marriage. 
I love Joe and I love our family that much. Um, it requires both partners to be willing to fix it, right? And if there's a partner that's unwilling, then that's a problem. There's either always going to be that that division and brokenness or the, the marriage is just going to end. Both partners have to be all in for it to work. And I know I'm all in. Even though I've been hurt and even though I've, I've done some pretty bad things that up until this point I still hadn't told Joe about, I was still all in because I love him and I believe in marriage. I truly believe in marriage. And obviously, if there's abuse and things that are just radical and out there, I don't believe anybody should stay in a relationship like that that's dangerous and unhealthy. Um, but I'm not talking about those extremes. I'm talking about things that we all go through in a marriage. Um, I believe in staying together. I believe in the vows that we took. I also believe that the design uh, by God for marriage was not to give up on each other, right? This is supposed to be my life partner uh, that I, I signed on with at a very young age. I was 17. So I came to Joe and I, I was sort of asking, but in a sense telling him, this is what we need to do. Um, this is what I need for me to be able to move on. This is what I need. Anyway, Joe agreed to do the three day intensive. And so literally just a few weeks ago, we, um, logistically had to set everything up for this. Joe took leave from work. Uh, I had to get a, a sitter for the apartment to watch the dog and the cats, right? Cause we're going to be gone for three days. And then I also had to get a babysitter for Parker for three days because Lexi, our daughter used to be our, our babysitter for things like this, but she's not living with us anymore. She's in California. So I am unbelievably grateful for a beautiful friend, um, that just kind of came out of nowhere in my life in the last maybe four or five months, sweet, sweet homeschooling mama that I can just, um, she's my spirit animal. <laughs> we can get together and talk for hours and um, she is me and I am her and I just love that. And uh, I mentioned this three-day intensive to her and before I could even ask, which I probably never would have even asked because it's really hard for me to ask for help, she offered to take Parker for three days. She's got children, Parker's really good friends with her older son, and she offered to watch Parker for three days and I was just so grateful. Again, God orchestrates everything and God puts people into our lives for a reason right at the right moment. Um, so we had everything set up and we rented a hotel, uh, booked a hotel and um, went off to this three-day intensive session with our counselor. I decided that if Joe was going to agree to put himself out there in front of not just me and our counselor, but also this polygraph examiner and put out all his dirty secrets for me, for the healing my heart needs. One, I thought that was just such an act of selflessness um, to put himself out there for me. And it, it was so encouraging and showed me that I wasn't the only one all in on this marriage. He was all in and willing to do whatever it took as well no matter how hard that was going to be for him. So I decided that um, it was time for me to come clean with some of my past skeletons, right? We all have the skeletons in the closet. And I went and got a little black book from the grocery store. And I went to the park one day with a cup of coffee. 
And what I did was I compartmentalized this by every place we ever lived in our marriage because we've moved every three or four years because we've been in the military. So everywhere we lived, there's been something, no matter how small, insignificant, or big it was, there's been something that I've done to betray my marriage, betray my husband um, in a way that I knew was wrong. And I knew if he knew, obviously, it, it would have broke his heart, right? Um, and again, I'm not saying every place we lived, I cheated on my husband. So I don't want your guys' minds to go to this crazy place. But I also don't want to um, divulge the details of the things that Joe and I confessed to each other during the three-day intensive because that's so personal uh, to me and Joe. But I will say, we have both done things that um, have betrayed each other. So I thought it's not fair for me to ask him to do this if I'm not willing to do the same thing. So I did sit down and do a full disclosure with Joe and um, told him all of my secrets, all of my past sin, no matter how big or small, no matter how horrifying or embarrassed I was, I told him every single thing that I could think of since the beginning of time that I ever did. Um, that was wrong against him. And uh, it was a tough time. It was, it was hard for him to hear that. It was horrifying for me to say that. But I think that in a sense, it helped Joe think, okay, wow, uh, she just like put herself out there. Like it was, the writing was on the wall. So it almost made it easier for him and helped him to go, okay, if she can do this, I can do this too. If, if she felt I deserved full truth, I feel she deserves full truth as well. Um, so I can't even tell you guys the weight that was lifted off my shoulders, uh, as, as awful as it was right in that moment that I told him these things. And I mean, your body goes through physical changes, involuntary physical reactions to these moments. I had complete cotton mouth. My mouth was completely dry. My hands were shaking. My heart was in my throat. Um, I could feel my voice quivering. I mean, your body does these involuntary reactions to these moments. And it's really hard. It is one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. But can I tell you guys something? The moment it was all out, the moment it was all out, I felt complete relief. It was like, whether he's going to stay or he's going to go, based on what I'm telling him in this disclosure, I'm going to get it out either way because I have to. For me and for him, I have to get it out. I can no longer live with the shame of the things that I've done in the past. It was unreal to me how it's like God took these bricks off my shoulders and just lifted them up and threw them away. You know, God says when we confess our sins, he forgives us. And those sins are thrown from the east to the west. They are gone. And the problem is a lot of time, friends, we're the ones holding on to these sins. The Lord tells us over and over again in scripture, give them to me. Confess them to me and quit holding on to them. Because as soon as you confess them, I can forgive you. And then they're gone. But a lot of times we're the ones holding on to these things. So 
we started this intensive session, uh, I am happy to report. So happy. If you could see the smile on my face right now, Joe passed his polygraph test. He was very, 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 very nervous. Did a full disclosure before the polygraph examination. Um, that was very hard to hear. Um, and obviously we have a lot of work to do working through the trauma of the things that we both told each other, but he passed and our counselor said, you know what? He didn't just pass it. He passed with high validity, which means there was no deception. There was no any of Joe trying to deceive at all. Like he put it all out on the table, man, you guys. Can I tell you, for 22 years, there has been secrets. And not just the pain that it would cause me knowing that there was secrets and things he was doing behind my back, the pain it caused Joe to carry those secrets and his sins with him and the shame and embarrassment kept him from being free, kept him from being happy. I would look at pictures of our family, you guys, over the years. And I remember even telling a friend of mine one time, I always see a sadness in Joe's eyes. I never saw him crack a true smile, you know, like that glimmer of light in your eyes. There was sadness. And that sadness was the shame of the sin that he had been carrying for years. And I'm trying not to cry right now, not out of sadness, but out of pure joy. When the counselor came in and told Joe he passed his polygraph exam, I was so relieved, but I looked at Joe and I saw for once true happiness in his eyes. It was like something I've never seen. And I've been with this man since I was 15 years old. 15. And I've never seen the glimmer in his eyes that I saw that day sitting with our counselor. So after the uh, polygraph exam, we did a lot of work um, just working through some of that, the pain, skills that we can put into place with each other from here on out to try and recover from the trauma um, and rebuild the trust. And the counselor had a really good analogy. He said, Tina's trust bucket was broken. Like my trust bucket, y'all, let me tell you after the things we've been through in our marriage, the bottom of that bucket was gone. It was not just rusted out and holy, like the bottom of my bucket, like it wasn't even there, <laughs> right? So it didn't matter the little things Joe might do to try to regain my trust over all these years because he would pour it in and it was just falling out right the bottom, right? It was just coming right out. It, it was just non-existent. And the counselor said, Joe, by passing this polygraph today and doing this for your wife, you you just like welded on a brand new bottom to her trust bucket. Like it's a brand new trust bucket. Now there's no trust in it yet, right? This is just rebuilding the foundation. But every time from here on out that you give her those little nuggets of truth, because now we're on a schedule of polygraph exams with Joe, 
um, that the counselor recommends like every three months, every six months, every nine months. And then as you continue to go out from there, obviously the trust is building, the recovery is happening. Joe is growing confident in himself to be um, sober from the addictions that he's had, right? But with every polygraph that he passes from here on out until the day we come to the realization that, hey, I think we don't need to do this anymore, it's pouring a little bit of trust into my trust bucket. I thought that that was a really cool analogy because, y'all, I felt that for 22 years. There was no trust. And Satan knew that. Satan knew I had no trust in my husband. Satan knew that. And, and he played on that all these years. That foundation was just crumbling out from underneath us. And, and we were a slave to that, right? So it's it's really interesting how all of this worked out. And, you know, Joe told me flat out, he said, if it wasn't for the polygraph, he said, some of those secrets I would have taken to my grave. He, he never, ever would have told me, you guys, it was too much. It, would have, it was too hard. It was too embarrassing. It was too deep. He never would have told me. And Satan knew that. And as long as you're holding on to secrets and shame, you cannot ever truly be free. You cannot ever truly move past that. And your partner deserves to know the truth. And it is scary. Like, well, if I tell them they're going to leave me. Well, that's not a reason not to be honest. That's not a reason to, to be truthful with your partner. They deserve the truth. And you deserve the freedom that comes from the truth. So for me and Joe, I, we just hit this breaking point where we were both kind of like, okay, if this is really bad, like if this sucks worse than we think it's going to suck and we have to walk away from our marriage, then so be it. Because what we've been doing for 22 years has not been working. We knew that we could not continue to live the way we were living. So it was like, you know, throwing a medical cocktail at our marriage, right? When someone's dying of cancer in the hospital and nothing's working, medicine, chemo, all these things aren't working, a lot of times the doctors will throw everything they can at that patient because it's like the, the, the prognosis is not good. They're, they're going to die anyway. So let's try everything we can, throw everything we can at them in hopes that maybe something will stick. Something will work. Something will save them. That's the point that we were at in our marriage. Our marriage was doomed to fail. It was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time before I walked away. And I knew that. So to me, it was like, we're putting everything out on the table. We're putting out all the stops. We're going to throw a medical cocktail at it. And we're going to just see if maybe by the grace of God, this saves our marriage. This saves our lives. I wanted to talk to you guys about um, a little bit of scripture. And I just want to show you how awful Satan is and his little demons, right? Like he is so deceiving. The truth will set you free, my friends. The truth will set you free. That's why I titled this podcast that. <laughs> Trust me when I say the truth will set you free. And Satan knows that too. And the moment you come clean, 
The moment me and Joe sat on that couch and the polygraph exam results were given to us and I did my disclosure with Joe, Satan was screaming from the pits of hell. Let me tell you, do you know that? Do you know the moment that you come clean with your partner and you build that new foundation of truth, Satan is screaming from the pits of hell because he no longer has a hold on you. He no longer has a hold on you, friends. And sometimes secrets and shame are the only thing he's got, right? Joe is a good man. Joe is a family man. Joe's a hard worker, a good provider, a good father. This one thing, this one sin, sexual addiction, the pornography, all of it, that was the one thing Satan had a hold on him. He had a hold on him. And then to, you know, compile on top of that, it was the, the secrecy and the shame. And Satan knew that he had a hold of Joe. So the moment the truth came out, he lost control. The chains were broken. If you guys have a Bible, um, or maybe later you can turn to this, and I will put this in the show notes for you guys. Uh, also really quickly, I'm going to put in the show notes, the sexual addiction counselor in Colorado that I first looked at. Um, and also our counselor that we use here in Virginia, because there are so many people that are struggling with sexual addiction in whatever facet that may be, right? Whether it's adultery, pornography, um, sexual addiction, going out and hiring prostitutes and going to massage parlors. I mean, there is just so much darkness out there right now, you guys. People are struggling statistically, right? You look out there and you look at your neighbors or you walk through the grocery store. Almost everyone you pass in some way is dealing with some type of addiction. And sexual addiction seems to be Satan's favorite right now. It's a dark, intimate sin of secrecy that people do behind closed doors. It's almost easier to come out as an alcoholic than it is to say, hey, I have a problem watching porn and masturbating and it's destroying my marriage. Or, hey, I have an issue with um, the fact that I have been seeking love, acceptance, and attention from a father I never had. So it has caused me to fall into the arms of another man or stupidly believe things that they would say to me, right? That made me feel good. But that was so quickly fleeting because they didn't truly care. They were pawns used by Satan to distract me from my marriage, right? So somebody out there that you're looking at is struggling and it's just all over. It's running rampant. So I'm going to put the links to these counselors in the show notes for today's show. And if you or anyone else that you know is struggling, I'll tell you guys, even if you have to finance the three-day intensive, and some of them do one-day intensives if you can't afford the three-day. If you don't have it, you can finance it. But I would propose to you, how much is your marriage worth? How much is your family and your children worth? right? We spend money every day on things that do not matter. New cars, new jewelry, new clothes, Starbucks coffee, coffee two, three times a week. Like we know how to blow some money, right? So when you really think about it, um, 
we prioritize the things that are important to us. So I'll just leave it at that. But I will put those links in the show notes for you guys if you want to check them out. Right now I'm in uh, Matthew. Let's see. I'm in Matthew 12. And I'm specifically looking at verse 43. We're talking about an unclean spirit's return. I'm going to read this to you guys. And then uh, I want to just kind of dive into it a little bit and break it apart. All right, it says, when an unclean spirit comes out of a man, it roams through waterless places looking for rest, but doesn't find any. Then it says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. And when it arrives, it finds the house vacant, swept, and put in order. Then off it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, that man's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation. Parker and I are working through the book of Matthew right now. We read a little bit before school every day. And I came across this verse and I I had to sit back and just kind of, you know, think about it for a few minutes. And it made me think of Joe and the things that he's going through. You guys, if you don't think that we are in a spiritual war every single day of our lives, you are sadly mistaken. It's it's not about flesh. It's not about, it's just not about that. It is a spiritual battle every day. And just as much as Jesus Christ himself is real, Satan is just as real. Satan's demons are are just as real. And it says that they prowl the earth looking for the next soul that they can destroy, right? They are very real. And their entire intention is to kill, steal, and destroy. And it starts at home. If they could break up the family, they've ruined everybody's life, right? It starts at home. So it's it's interesting to me Um, You know, obviously we're talking about the house. That's the person, the person's heart. So um, looking at Joe, right? So this spirit leaves, leaves his body and goes out looking for something else. When he comes back to the house, when he comes back to Joe's heart, when he comes back to your heart or your, your spouse's heart, he sees that it's vacant. It's all cleaned out and it's clean. It's, it's swept To me, that's kind of like when you're committing sin or maybe you're in this sexual addiction or whatever kind of addiction that you're in or whatever you're doing, right, that's um, not right, that's not the way that God wants us to live our life. And you kind of come to your senses a little bit and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I know this is wrong. I'm going to start going to church. You start going to church. Maybe even enjoying like a, a point group at church or um, you start praying with your spouse, which is something you've never done. Or maybe you start committing to reading your Bible a couple times a week or every morning with your coffee. Like you're getting your game on, right? You're getting yourself right. You're cleaning that house out. You're keeping the floors swept. You're getting on the right track. That demon returns and he's like, oh, ugh, what the heck is this? Like, ugh. like I don't have as much control over this house as I used to have and I don't like it. Does he leave and go, well, I guess that's a lost cause. I can't really destroy that soul. I'm going to move on to the next one. No, he doesn't. It says that he leaves and he goes and finds seven of his homies that are more evil than him and brings them back to the house, brings them back to Joe's heart and soul. 
and says, there you go. They all move in and they all inhabit. And now you're struggling even harder than you were before because now you don't just have one unclean spirit that's working on you. You've got eight. So it just goes to show like how evil they are, how desperate they are to destroy us and to pull us as far away from God as they possibly can. And it's finding strength in community. It's finding strength in a counselor or someone that you can talk to and confide in. It's reaching out to groups, having a friend that you can call that maybe is in a similar situation that or even not someone that you trust that you can pray with because when those demons come back to move back in, they're working double time because now they're trying to undo all the progress that you've made, right? You cannot fight them on your own. This is the battle. This is the history that me and Joe have fought for 22 years is trying to fight this battle on our own. We kicked that demon out many times, you guys. I mean, I swept the floor, I disinfected everything, right? And then what happened? They came back with more. They came back with an infantry of little demons and they worked their way back into our lives every time. And the, the mistake we made was thinking we could, we could handle it on our own. And that was a lie. That was a lie from Satan and it caused us to fail every time. So Having a community that you can reach out to when you're feeling weak and you're not feeling strong and also relying on, on God, right? Knowing your word, knowing your scripture, like this verse today in Matthew, the Lord is warning you. You got to keep your guard up all the time and you're not strong enough to fight these demons on your own. You have to call to him. And his word to give you strength and clarity. You have to arm yourself with his word. And if you're not reading your Bible, then you don't know the scriptures to arm yourself against Satan and his demons. This Bible is our armor. I just thought that that verse was so interesting that, uh, man, they are inhabiting our souls and we cannot fight them on our own. No matter how hard I, we try, we're going to fail every time. Another one is Matthew 10, 26 through 28. It says, so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So the truth always comes to the light, right, you guys? And like I tell my kids, it's going to be a lot better if you come and confess to me on your own versus me finding out from somebody else. And most of the time, I can handle the mistake or the sin more than I can handle you lying to my face, right? And that's what I told Joe. We had a very clear conversation that night in the hotel knowing that the polygraph was the next day. And I told him, and I don't know how I said this, you guys, to be honest with you, because at that point, I didn't know what was going to be revealed to me, right? So I was like, I just need you to be honest. 
for once, I just need to know that the words that are coming out of your mouth are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because if you can do that for me, I feel like it doesn't matter what you've done. I can get past that. It's going to take time and it's not going to be easy, but we can heal from that. But if you continue to lie to my face, that is what I cannot handle. I can handle truth. I cannot handle a lie. So all darkness comes to the light and you just have to decide how do you want that darkness to come out? Because it's much better if you have the courage to confess, right? And when it says here, what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is kind of why I choose to share the things that I share about my marriage. And like I've said before, Joe knows I'm sharing this. And I've had clear conversations with him and we've both agreed that we want to share these intimate things because we want people to know that you're not alone. You're not weird. You're not dirty. You're not disgusting. You're not broken and unfixable. You're not alone. And there's hope. There is always hope. Always, always, always. That sun comes up every day, y'all. No matter how dark the night was, the storm was the night before, the Lord gives us that sunrise every day and promises us that there's always a new beginning. So I don't, I've had people tell me, I told you this before, I've had people be like, well, why do you, why do you put all that out there? Well, because I feel called to put it out there. I have struggled through hell for 22 years by myself. By myself, I have cried myself to sleep more times than I can even count. I don't want you to be alone. I don't want anyone out there to feel like they're alone. And even for the one that has the addiction. My God, you guys. <sighs> After the intensive, we've, we've gotten on a schedule. Um, of, you know, our couples counseling, we're continuing. We also joined a couples group, uh, our own individual counseling. So we've got this regimen, right? This medical cocktail that we are taking for our marriage right now. And me and Joe come together and discuss some, some of the things that are talked about. And man, there are so many people struggling with this. So many spouses with broken hearts. And the worst thing we can do is keep it a secret and be like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, our marriage is perfect. Porn, what's porn? Masturbation, what's masturbation? Infidelity, no, that's not us. We've got this perfect life, this perfect marriage. That would be a flat out lie. And I would propose that anybody says they have a perfect marriage, they are a liar because it is just not possible. We were born sinners, you guys. We are all unclean. But the good news is, the Lord saved us from our sin, right? All we have to do is ask his forgiveness, confess and ask his forgiveness. He throws it from the east to the west and it's gone. So find joy in that. But proclaiming it from the housetops, I feel like that's what I'm doing. I feel like I am just screaming from the housetop right now because I'm not afraid for anybody to know that our life and our marriage has not been perfect. It, I'm putting it out there. 
And I'm not afraid to put it out there. I feel like I am on top of the world right now. Now that all of this is out on the table and we can start taking action steps moving forward, I feel so relieved. I feel light as a feather and so does Joe. We can lay in bed now, you guys, and have conversations that we have never had before. Never. Do you know that he hugged me the other night? We spooned each other while we were doing our weekly uh, session that we're supposed to do with each other where we were talking about, you know, the week and our feelings and what we need, what we can have ownership over that we did that we shouldn't have done, yada, yada. My husband prayed over me for the first time in 22 years. I have always heard that a couple that prays together stays together. And I've seen couples that pray together and a husband that prays over his wife and a wife that prays over her husband. And I was so longing for that. But because the secrets and lies were there, it didn't allow that wall to come down. The intimacy couldn't be there. The connection couldn't be there because there was shame. When he started praying, you guys, I was dead silent. I hung on to every word he said, and I just said, thank you, Lord. All I kept saying over and over my mind, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And for those of you that know Joe, whether it's from YouTube channel or your family or friends, you know Joe don't talk, right? Joe was a man of very few words. <laughs> so it is really hard for him to get up and talk in front of people. He's not someone that would be like, oh, come together. Let me pray over you. That is not Joe. So that was a humongous moment in our marriage when he prayed over me for the first time. And that came with freedom. I am seeing growth in him just in the last two or three weeks since our session, our intensive session. I see so much growth and freedom and it's so reassuring. All right, let me, I have a couple more verses that I just wanted to share with you guys. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Sometimes, you guys, I think we really discredit the power of prayer. We really discredit that. People say all the time, oh, well, I'm going to pray for you, honey. Oh, so-and-so is going into surgery. I'll say, I'll say a prayer for him. Do we really pray for him? Do we really believe in the power of that prayer? I think of the verse, I think it's in Matthew where God, God says, if you, like, oh, ye of little faith, if you just had as much faith as the size of a mustard seed, have y'all seen a mustard seed? That is super tiny. You could move a mountain from here to there. You could say move from here to there and it would move. So God tells us that it shows you how little faith we actually have. And I think a lot of times we have little faith in the power of our prayer. So we are to confess our sins to each other and pray over each other. The last one is Proverbs 28, 13. This is a big one. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Oh my goodness, you guys. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. 
our marriage has never been allowed to prosper because Joe and I were both concealing transgressions. Those transgressions kept us from freedom, happiness, love, and true intimacy, not only with each other, but with our children, right? It caused us to be withdrawn, disconnected, closed down, caused major bouts of depression. If you conceal your transgressions, it's almost like a rotting vegetable in the garden, right? Like if you get that cucumber with a little blemish on it and you can just cut that blemish off, that cucumber is going to heal and it's going to continue to grow and be just fine. But if you don't address that blemish and you allow it to fester and continue spreading, before you know it, that vegetable is completely rotten and the ants are just devouring it. It cannot lie there unaddressed because the Lord says, if you do that, you will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. The Lord is telling you he will give you mercy. If you confess, if you bite the bullet, if you find your courage and you dig deep and you take a deep breath and you say, I don't freaking care how much this kills me. I have to tell you something. I have to tell you what I did. The Lord says he will honor that. He will give you mercy. So those verses just spoke to me and um, I just, I really felt compelled, excuse me, to share this with you guys. The fact that the truth will set you free. It really will. So um, I wanted to share mine and Joe's experience, what we just went through a few weeks ago with our three-day intensive session um, and just the joy and relief that both of us are feeling right now, as hard as that was, I mean, it was like, it was like a marathon. The emotional exhaustion was real. The first night when we back, went back to the hotel, I just laid out on the bed. I didn't even take my jacket or my shoes or anything off. I, I meant to just lay there for a second. Y'all, I passed out. I was just dead asleep. The emotional toll that this brought on our bodies, not just like, I mean, like physically, emotionally, it was insane. It was insane. But my God, I would do it over again if I had the choice. Because now we are free. And now we can start moving on to the next chapter in our life. We're getting ready to move to Alaska, to our forever homestead in six and a half months. And maybe this property, maybe this home, maybe this place can be the first place where we live that is built on a pure foundation of truth. That is my hope. Everything we've ever done, I want to leave it here. I want to leave it here and I want to leave it on the couch in my counselor's office. I want to leave it and I want to move forward from here to healing and recovery. And I just wanted to share that with you, that if you're holding secrets or your spouse is holding secrets, I just really want to encourage you to find that strength to come together and be truthful with one another because it's like having a baby, you guys, right? Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. 
I had Parker Natural. I did not have the epidural because I couldn't. We were on an island in Alaska. Trust me, if I could have got it, I would have probably <laughs> because I had the epidural with Lexi and I didn't know what it was like to have a baby without pain meds and I was terrified. I had that boy. That boy was almost 10 pounds, y'all, okay? Parker got a big head. You guys have seen his head. He's got a big head <laughs> and he's actually grown into it a little bit by now, but man, that hurt. I found out for the first time what the ring of fire was. I heard people talk about that and I never knew because I had the epidural with Lexi. I didn't know nothing about the ring of fire. Mm -hmm. But the second that beautiful, precious baby boy came out and they laid him on my chest, every bit of pain was gone lifted away as if it didn't even happen. And all I could see was this amazing miracle in my arms. So I just want to encourage you because I just went through this. And if you don't know anybody that's gone through this and you're still unsure, please take it from me. Please trust me because I just went through this and came through it on the other side. The second the truth is out, there is freedom. There's work to get through the trauma and the pain. But the shackles are released the second you tell the truth. Let's all <laughs> send Satan a message. I want to hear him screaming from the depths of hell. You guys have heard me say that so many times. I want to hear him screaming and I want him to know he cannot have my marriage. He cannot have my family. He cannot have my children. And he can't have yours either. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you know you can always reach out to me directly if you'd like by email. It's at blessedandbeautifulhomestead at gmail.com. Follow me over on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. Very easy. And of course, don't forget to head over to YouTube and check out our YouTube channel. We're always doing fun things over there. We post videos every week. Thanks for joining me today, you guys. Stay blessed, and I will see you on the next show.